You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, where it's all about helping you grow your Denver real estate portfolio. Here's your host, Chris Lopez. Hey everyone, Chris Lopez here, and welcome back to another deal analysis episode. So today we're gonna be talking about a 15 unit apartment building that we helped a client buy in Denver. So my co-host today is Preston Newberry, and Preston is an agent with me at Yourcast Real Estate, and he and I helped put this deal together. Preston, glad to have you on the show. Thanks for having me back again, Chris. I really enjoy digging into these deals that we uh, we get to look at and analyze with all of our clients. Yeah, especially this one. This one, uh, there's we got a few things to talk about on this one. So to give everyone the backstory on here, uh, this property closed quarter four, 2019. And probably back in quarter three, 2019, uh, an out-of-state investor reached out to me. He was selling at the time one of his apartment buildings in Los Angeles. So I think it was like a 10 or 12-unit apartment building out there. And then he wanted to sell it, conduct a 1031 exchange, and then bring the money to Denver. And the reasons he wanted to bring the money to Denver was Denver has better cap rates and strong upside. So he wanted a better cap rate. Uh, and basically, he was selling his apartment building around like a low three cap rate and buying into a low five cap rate here in Denver. So, you know, basically a two point spread on the cap rate, which is pretty, pretty darn significant. Uh, the second reason he wanted to do it is just because uh, when he retires in a few years, he plans on moving out to Denver as some of his uh, family is out here as well. So he wanted a better investment and also just make an alignment with where he was going to retire and then also for his uh, his estate planning as well. So, you know, his kids could inherit it and, and run it as well. So if you guys don't know the 1031 exchanges, that is where you sell a property, you follow some rules laid up by the IRS, and then you're able to take that money put into a new property and not pay capital gains on those tax or on those property proceeds. So it can be a huge uh, tax saver there, especially when we're talking about bigger properties like this. So he called me, we talked, we started getting things lined up because a very important thing with 1031s, it really does come down to having the right team available together to work together because we have to meet very tight deadlines. So from the day his property sold in California, whatever day it closed out there, he has 45 days to identify a new property. And that really means basically be under contract and be past you know, any major hurdles like the inspection items about that 45-day window. Because once that 45-day window passes, you can no longer get new properties to identify. And then from there, you have... 135 days from that 45-day mark to close on the property. So with this, uh, two things. You have these timelines you have to be mindful of, especially when you're talking about you know uh, a really large chunk of money because this would have been a six-figure plus capital gains bill. And then plus, it's a lot more coordination because now it's not just me and Preston, but we're in communication with the listing agent in California. Uh, we then also have to work with the 1031 Qualified Intermediary which is a fancy name for the people that hold the money. They're basically like the trustee that holds the money. Because if that money hits the investor's bank account, he owes taxes on there. But if this third-party trustee holds the money, uh, they receive the money from the sale in California, and then they wire the money into the buy here in Denver. 
And then there's no capital gain zone. So it's making sure everyone's in communication, everyone's on the same page. And of course, we all have our own you know, rules we have to follow and making sure everything good's to go. So we spend a lot of time coordinating on that because the more you prep, the more you plan, uh, the more success you have with doing these types of transactions. So Preston, um, talking about, actually, yeah, let's talk about the property a little before we jump into all the details because this was a neat one. Give us the basic rundown of the property and location. Yeah, so this property uh, is located uh, down in the heart of Denver, um, property that we really liked because uh, even though it was vintage, uh, the property was built uh, very sturdy, you know, all brick construction, uh, very sturdy steel and concrete landings, so very minimal maintenance. Uh, the seller of this property uh, had owned it for about 15 years um, and done a lot of CapEx to this place. I mean, everything had been uh, been sorted out and taken care of. So uh, for us, you know, having a client that knew Denver but didn't know the ins and outs of the area, um, really wanted something that was in a central location, was going to give them a lot of upside and, you know, be something that wasn't going to drain their bank accounts with a bunch of, uh, of repairs and maintenance items. And then so the profile of this investor, as we talked about, out-of-state client, uh, definitely has experience with apartment ownership and management. So the you know the small buildings, the 10 to 20 unit type range, that's something he and his family, they've owned a couple over, over the years. And so really his primary goal was to secure a legacy asset for his family while also adding to his retirement cash flow. And with a lot of multi-units, we actually found this one through networking. I don't know the exact percentage, but way more properties percentage-wise trade off-market, so not on the MLS or LoopNet in the multi-unit world than they do in the single-family home world. So once we once we got word that we might be in a 1031 exchange, we started talking to everyone we know, throwing out feelers, doing some hunting for, the, uh, for what I talked about a few minutes ago because we have that tight deadline that we have to be considered of. So once we know, hey, the basic timeline or the very rough timeline and the rough numbers we have, we start going out there and seeing what we can drum up uh, because the sooner you do it, the better. Because if you get behind the deadlines on there, it can make for a very stressful experience. And of course, uh, you know, we want to buy the best property we can uh, and not get backed up with our uh, backs against the wall and have to buy a property when it's not ideal. So we found this one through networking. Um, as Preston said, this guy owned it for a long time and uh, it made sense for him. He said, hey, sell for this price. I can do it because I can sell it in a year or two, but I could sell it now because he wanted to sell it and 1031 into another property. So when you get into these bigger properties, a lot of times there's a lot more of that, uh, the friendliness in the transaction to make it work for both the seller and the buyer. So that can be a very nice feature. So this is a, as we said, a 15 unit and say one bedroom, one bathroom, uh, not too far from like St. Joe's Hospital uh, down in Denver. The original uh, price the seller was looking at was $2.7 million. Uh, then after some negotiations and a couple things like that, we got it down to $2,615,000. So about, uh, what's that, $85,000 less or so. So, you know, a good chunk of money. So in addition to the location, the lower capex, and the great construction, another reason we liked it was there is a, a, an upside to increase the rents. So this building, it was in the, was the 50s, Preston, or 60s? When was this built? 50s. 
in the 50s. So, you know, uh, most of the units had already been updated. I think like 13 out of 15 units have been updated. So, you know, new flooring, new cabinets, um, new countertops, all that stuff, but still had the electrical, the original electrical system. So, you know, it was, it was perfectly fine, but it was just, you know, dated and was, you know, and definitely did not have all the voltage that newer buildings have. So the upside here was to go in there and do a whole building-wide electrical upgrade. Uh, and then from there, you're able to go into each unit and add individual washer and dryers, and then also an AC ductless mini split system. And those AC systems, those are the ones where you, it looks like a, a, a long rectangular bar at the top of the room. They don't have like traditional AC, but they do. Uh, they can do AC that way. So the reason this is really interesting was because that could significantly increase the rents and it would not take a whole lot of work, a whole lot of money to do it. Now, obviously, the electrical upgrades, I think the quotes we got, Preston, some of our contractors, they were like, was it fifty to $80,000 was the range we were seeing? Yeah, we were looking uh, anywhere between fifty to about $85,000, depending on okay. the extent of some of the work. And that would include bringing in um, you know, new, new power from, uh, from Excel. They'd run a new pole and then upgrading all the panels and, and then in turn going in and, uh, and upgrading all the units as well. And then inside the unit, one of the nice things is, great, add the washer and dryer, but then two things. You need the space and you need to be able to then tie into the existing plumbing. Uh, well, these had the way the closets were configured. They were right next to the utility room. So you could take some of the closet, expand the utility room, Put the washer dryer there, and then very easily, without having to you know go through a bunch of walls or running uh, lots of feet of pipe, you could go out there and just tie into the existing um, plumbing and electric, and then you know plug in AC ductless. That's pretty simple as well. So do all that, and as Preston said, the quotes we we heard in the electrical was like you know fifty to eighty five grand. Of course, we got two or three quotes from a few people, and then updating each unit. Probably it's going to be around $3,000 or so per unit with some labor and materials. So all together is going to be you know, a significant chunk of money. doesn't have to be done right away, but at some point it can be done. But it should increase the rents by $200 to $250 a month. So a very significant rent bump. So Preston, why don't you run through the contract details since you were leading this one? Yeah, like uh, like we talked about earlier, you know, this came from our network and from a very experienced uh, investor seller who was looking to do a 1031 into another property. So the nice thing about deals like this is, you know, everybody understands we need to be flexible and you know work together to get everyone to the the closing and, and the finish line so we can all continue on with our with our deals. So um, you know, this one was actually pretty straightforward. Uh, we had a pretty good idea on price and what we were looking at and how the numbers all all worked with where the current rents were. So that was nice. Once we got it under contract, we, uh, you know, of course did our inspection. Um, we did get the property under contract a little bit below the seller's original asking price. So when it came time to do inspection stuff, you know, we were very cognizant of that and wanted to make sure we only, um, you know, brought up uh, anything major that needed to be handled. So, you know, obviously a few electrical issues on the interior, some of the units, nothing, nothing major. Um, and in the units that hadn't been updated, there were some old water heaters and old furnaces. So knowing that the uh, buyers were going to go in at some point and rehab those units anyways, we negotiated a, a small credit from the seller to cover um, a little bit of the cost on some of that stuff. Uh, so everyone was happy. And then for financing, uh, our client went through CBRE and they got a non-recourse uh, Freddie Mac small business 
alone. So what this is, is I know a lot of times we talk about Freddie and Fannie when we're buying one to four units, one to four unit properties, but Freddie also does a lot of loans on apartment buildings. And so one of the reasons it's very attractive to a lot of investors is because they'll do a non-recourse loan. And the non-recourse loan is where if Preston goes out and buy this property, he does not have to personally guarantee the loan. So if I go buy a property, I go buy, you know, I bought a condo last month, I buy that condo, I am personally guaranteeing that to my name. Well, if Preston bought this apartment building, he is not personally guaranteeing his name. So if for some reason the building could you know, stop moving money and he stopped making mortgage payments, they can only go after the asset and not his personal self. So they went through the Freddie, uh, the Freddie loan, or they went through CBRE to get the Freddie loan. And there's usually three options you get, or three options we got a five-year, a seven-year, and a 10-year fixed period. And then it's adjustable rate and it's amortized over 30 years. Well, since they were looking to hold on to for a long time and rates were really, really low, they actually opted for the 10-year fixed uh, over 30 years. And with that, it came about it came with three years of interest-only payments. So their interest rate came in right around like 4.1%. And if they did a seven-year, it was something like uh, no, a 3.9 or 4%, and a, a five-year was like 3.7 or 3.8%. I forget the exact numbers there. Obviously, the longer you have a fixed rate, the higher the interest rate. But I mean, it's to me, it was just impressive that they got a 10-year fixed non-recourse loan and a 4.1% interest. So great deal there. And then at three years of interest only, um, that, you know, two things. What that does is when they, they still have to make their loan payments, but they're only paying the interest portion and not the principal portion. So there's no principal reduction. So that means they actually save money every year, which is actually more cash flow. So it helps them build up reserves. But in their case, it's what that extra cash flow, they can use that to help go help fund these upgrades and therefore increase the rents and increase the value of the property. So the appraisal came in at above. Uh, seller concessions was about it was for 10K, as Preston said. Uh, and then no PMI and no interest rate buy down with this type of loan. So what we did here, we plugged these numbers into Joe Massey's rental spreadsheet. And now his spreadsheet is designed for one to four unit properties as he's a residential lender. He's not a commercial lender. But the spreadsheet still works for it other than there's a quirk or two in there. Uh, but we'll walk you through this. But we usually use a more dance spreadsheet when we analyze five units and greater properties. But in terms of doing a, de uh, a deal analysis and doing it on YouTube and a podcast, it's much easier to use a spreadsheet when it's familiar with and you still understand the numbers. So we plugged in the 15-unit apartment building. I selected only one unit on Joe's spreadsheet and that dropped down from one to four, and we just put all the rents in one field. Now, our buyers put down about 32%, uh, and that was because they had a certain amount of money they needed to use up for the 1031 exchange. And if you don't use that money, so if Preston sold his building in LA or wherever he sold it from, for example, and he has a million dollars in 1031 proceeds, if he doesn't use all that money, he'll get taxed on that money. So it's pretty common for people to put down more than 25% when they're buying an apartment building because, oh, great, I got an extra $100,000 laying over. Let me put that towards a property so I don't pay taxes on there. So they end up putting that out 32%. I uh, plug in the purchase price, acquisition cost. Uh, you know They are higher on these apartment buildings because everything costs more because it's more labor intensive. The loan cost, the inspection, the appraisal, you know all that costs more. 
So all together, it was probably just over about $30,000. Plug in the $10,000 seller credits. And all in, they were in there for about $858,000. We put the interest rate on here of 4.16% over 30 years. And then the combined rents for all 15 units is $16,529. And so that's all 15 units. Now, every unit does not have the same amount of rent on there. Uh, but, you know, all together, that's what they came out to. We plug in our 5% vacancy, 3% for rent increase, plug in a 35% effective tax bracket. Um, oh, one more note on the rents. I just see now in my notes um, that in addition to the rents, there's also $50 a month per unit and rent utility bill back for utilities on there. And Preston, these were all renting for what, like $1,000, $1,100? Is that what they're renting for? Yeah, some of the um, units that hadn't been rehabbed yet were uh, were just under $900 a month. Um, and then uh, units that had recently been rehabbed and, and rented were just over $1,000 a month. So a little bit of a spread in the rents, but okay. that's you know, why the upside was so nice with this unit, with, uh, with this apartment building. Yeah, that's another good point, because in addition to doing the upgrades to bring up market rent, there are just some you know leases in place that when they become vacant or it's time to renew the lease, they could bump up the rents $50, $100 to market rent, and that's more cash flow for them as well. So going off the spreadsheet here, we said yes to property management, and we put in 8% uh, because the actual fees are close to 7 put up an extra point in there to round up for any uh, turnovers. Now, on Joe's spreadsheet, I put 0% for monthly re repairs and reserves in his field on there. That's not because we're not accounting for it. We just put it lower in the line item. So the way we underwrote this, and this was per CBRE's underwriting guidelines, is they underwrite the repairs and maintenance at $800 a unit per year. So 800 times 15 units times one year is $12,000. And then we underwrote it also at $250 a unit per year for reserves. And that is for the longer term reserves of uh, the capital expenditures, water heaters, roofs, that type of thing. So that comes out to $37.50 a year. Taxes on this property were $9,200. Uh, insurance was about $4,300. Uh, the landlord is paying for water and sewer because it's you know, pretty common here in Denver that there's one water and one sewer tap. And so that came in at uh, just under four or just over $4,000. Trash is about just under $1,500 a year. Uh, and then all the units have individual electric and individual gas meters, which is really, really nice for these types of buildings. So the landlord only pays for the common area. And the common area is, is nothing. It's, it's a couple light bulbs in the stairwells uh, is really all the common area is. We put landscaping and snow removal at $500 a year. And, you know, there's not going to be much areas to remove snow. As far as landscaping, it's concrete. And, you know, to landscape concrete's pretty darn easy. So, Preston, any, any comments you want to talk about there on those numbers? I think we hit them all, but did I forget anything? No, we uh, we touched on everything there. It's pretty straightforward as far as the expenses here. And that was the other, um, you know, caveat to, to this property in particular was that it had really low um, maintenance expenses, you know, as far as the the trash and the uh, electric and the fact that, you know, everything was metered separately um, for electric and gas for each unit. So that was something else that was very appealing to our client. 
Yeah. And I mean, you know, as we were hunting for this, kind of taking a step back, you know, we looked at different multi units. We looked at some bigger buildings. We looked at some fourplexes. So we definitely looked at a couple properties. And this was by far the best we saw, and especially when taking the fact the location. And as Preston said, all the lower capital expenditure items, you typically see a lot of multi units having uh, a lot of deferred capital expenditures. This, other than a couple of those water heaters, uh, had none. And a couple of water heaters for a multi-unit is definitely no big deal. So going through the numbers here, getting back to those. So that puts the annual expenses right around $52,000 a year. So you subtract the rents, minus that, leaves you a net operating income of about $136,000 for the year. Now, in Joe's spreadsheet, it shows a payment of about $8,600 a month. Well, that's because Joe's spreadsheet automatically calculates principal and interest. Well, the reality is that first three years, since this is an interest-only loan, they are only paying the interest portion of that, so they actually have more cash flow. So if you look at the return on investment quadrant, um, the cash flow is... Uh, showing about $33,000 a year. And if you look at the lower left of it, the debt pay down is about $30,000 a year. So if you think about it this way, so if, let's just say, for example, my monthly payment's $10,000 a month. And normally that payment is in the first month at $7,000 towards interest and $3,000 towards principal. Well, if I'm paying interest only, I'm really only paying that $7,000 portion of it, not that $3,000 portion. So I'm only paying $7,000 and that $3,000 a month is extra cash flow in my pocket then. So altogether, this would make closer cash flow to be, you know, should be around $50,000 to $60,000 a year in cash flow because you're only doing interest only the first couple of years. So obviously, that's really good cash flow. And that's what they're going to use to help fund some of these upgrades to increase future cash flow on the rental properties. So looking at all this, it's a 5-2 cap rate, which is... Um, exactly what you expect for this part of location and this type of property. And so we're actually really happy with this because a lot of properties we looked at, they were like either a same cap rate, but a lot more deferred maintenance and no upside or even lower cap rates. So overall looking at, you know, small apartment buildings around Denver, this was a, a, an above average deal that we were really, really happy to see and look at. You know, Preston, one thing popped in my mind here as I was uh, reviewing this because this was, you know, this was a longer close process because the 1031 and also going through the non-recourse loan with CBRE, um, we, you dealt with a very fun zoning curveball. And I'm saying this with a smirk on my face. So <laughs> I was wondering if we were going to touch on that, Chris. Um, Why not? Bring up some memories, man. I do remember this one. And it gave us definitely a little bit of a, a heart palpitation. Um, as we were going through, uh, all the, uh, lending guidelines and everything with, uh, with CBRE and, and Chris that, uh, that helped us out with this deal over there. Um, it came to light that Denver had recently done, um, a few years back, a new zoning overlay, um, particularly in this part of town as they're kind of dealing with some of the congestion and, and building things that are happening in town. And one thing that popped up was the fact that this property had been rezoned uh, to not allow multifamily units. So obviously, this came up during the discovery process with the lender and and their legal team. And you know that's something else that's a little bit different with the commercial side is there's a lot more uh, legal people involved. You know, as far as lawyers and attorneys and things like that. So as they're reviewing everything, this came up um, and ended up having to go down to the city 
um, and go through all the previous property records and make a case to get them to give us a variance and a certificate from the city that would uh, appease the lender so that if anything ever happened to the property, they would be allowed to rebuild um, and keep the same uh, property type that was there. So uh, definitely something that we hadn't dealt with before, but uh, ended up making everything uh, come out okay and everybody was happy and we were able to, to continue on to the closing table. But that one definitely threw us for a curveball. Yep. And, but that's why it's always good. I mean, you know, we, we know who to call. We got in touch with the Lord. He's like, oh, yeah, deals with all the time, um, you know, and got it handled. Obviously, was not uh, a little extra stress for those couple of days there. But that's just there's always something it seems that pops up when you're doing these bigger transactions. That's just par for the course and to be expected. And you're going to say the lenders, they have to require that because this person said if something happened in the building, let's just say it burned down. Well, if they can't rebuild a 15-unit apartment building there, how are they going to get their rents to pay back the mortgage? If it's zoned a single-family home at this point, great. If they sell it to go build a single-family home, that does not bring in the same numbers as building a small apartment building on there. All right, so to wrap this up, um, talking about going back to the value upside here, I want to give you an idea because I gave you the numbers that you know probably close to about a hundred thousand dollars to uh, do all that work, maybe a little bit more depending on how things shake out. And if their estimates are like mine, this definitely will be a few few dollars more. But just say a hundred thousand dollars for easy math, and then according to the property manager, that should increase the rents about two hundred to two fifty per unit. And that's assuming, hey, great, we're leasing up in prime time, uh, so we get you know maximum rent then. Should see an extra $200 to $250 a month in rent, which translates into $36,000 to $45,000 annually. Now, of course, you know, they have to pay some money on that, um, you know, to the property management fee. They'll also have a little bit more maintenance and reserve because they got to take care of washer and dryers and ACs now and all that. But for the most part, that's almost, you know, just a lot more profit at the end of the day that put money back in their pocket. So that can increase your cash flow I mean, easily from $25,000 or more a year. So a very, very significant cash flow um, increase that might be a three or four year payback period on the money they spent. So in the long run, it makes a lot of sense. But the other great thing about this is since this is an income property, so, you know, it's more than five units, that's how they... Um, value these as income properties is that since the rents increase and the expenses don't go up nearly as much, it increases your net operating income or your NOI. And since they use NOI to often determine the value of the properties, it could have a $500,000 or greater equity bump in the property. Now, they may use it, they may not, but more equity is usually not a bad thing to have. But sometime down the road, you know, uh, eight years, nine years down the road, when it comes up time to refinance out of their 10-year term, hey, between that and increasing some rents overall, they might want to pull out a significant chunk of money from there, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars, if not more. And if you got an extra $400,000 you can pull out of there, well, that's a whole other down payment on buying another multi-building. So this isn't like the, the quick burr strategy that people talk about. But this is where if you've got the patience and you play the long game, there's a lot more opportunities like this to help really build that long-term wealth. And that's what their plans are doing. So Preston, that's all I got on my list. You got any closing thoughts? Yeah, I just wanted to, you know, kind of circle back around, you know, being that our client was coming from a market with a much 
lower returns. This was uh, a really fun deal to work on. And they were really, really happy at the end of the day. I kind of feel like, uh, you know, this was almost a home run in their book because uh, the upside here, uh, the cash flow, you know, right away is really good. But again, the upside here and, and the potential to really make uh, really make some money on this is is there for them. And that's something that really excited them. So overall, this is a really fun transaction and something that we really enjoyed. Obviously, this is the first time we've done a, a unit this big um, and learned a lot as we went through it, but I uh, definitely enjoyed it. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you got questions on here, uh, you want to understand the details, how to underwrite bigger apartment buildings, you're looking at doing 1031 exchange yourself, reach out to us. This is what we do. More than glad to sit down with you and walk you through the details and help you find a property. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. And Preston, thank you. Thank you, Chris.